Your attention, please. The Walt Disney World Railroad, now boarding for a scenic trip around the Magic Kingdom. Board. So, this week, in honor of Disneyland's 60th anniversary, the Diamond Anniversary... I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about um, 1955, when Disneyland first opened. So do you know it's the 60th as the diamond because you looked that up, or do you know it's 60th as the diamond because your wife's already hinting? I know it's the diamond because of Disneyland's marketing, (laughs) because the commercial says the word diamond like 50 times. See, I I like the way that you put that. You, you, (laughs) You paused and you said marketing, and you didn't say shoving it down my throat um i think that's i think that's very nice of you to put it that way but yes they they have made it uh very clearly uh obvious that uh that this is the diamond uh anniversary so what are we talking about we're talking about we're, we're time traveling yes we're time traveling back to 1955 when disneyland first opened when walt disney came out and said a few words which um, is so much fun to go back and listen to because he is just clearly very excited about letting people in. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. And here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future. Disneyland is dedicated to the ideals, the dreams, and the hard facts that have created America with the hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. And uh, open the park. And for the first time, uh, people got to experience the Magic Kingdom. Um, So back then, a ticket to get in was a dollar, one dollar to get into Disneyland, and 50 cents if you had a kid. And then the ticket book cost $2.50, which, so back in the day, they did things a little differently. Um, Now, you know, you pay whatever, $100 to get into the Magic Kingdom, and you just do everything, whatever you want. All All the attractions are free. Um, back then you paid admission and then you paid extra for what they called a ticket book. And so they had, uh, I believe eight coupons in there, um, to do a ticket, B ticket, C ticket, and D ticket attractions. And as you got higher in the alphabet, the attraction got quote better or, or at least the attraction got quote more popular. Right. Yes. So Something like uh, the Main Street vehicles were A-ticket attractions. Um, and then something like Jungle Cruise was would be, you know, a, a C or a D-ticket. So the higher you got up in the, in the alphabet, the more popular and the, the more exclusive the attraction was. And... They started in in where the time period we're going to talk about. They only go up to D. They added E later um, because they had more there. But on opening day, it's really interesting. Opening day, they had Autopia, then they had the band, 
um, the Disneyland Railroad, and that had four stops. So the so uh, the band is that an A ticket attraction? <laughs> the band is just a there. Oh, sweet! So that so that's included with every purchase. That's part yeah, of your the, dollar. The band is null ticket. Yes, that is part of your dollar. Um, Jungle Cruise, King Arthur Carousel, the Mad Tea Party, uh, Main Street Cinema. The Mark Twain Riverboats, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Peter Pan's Flight, Snow White Scary Adventures, and Storybook Land Canal Boats. So, yeah, they didn't have very many things to do uh, when the park first opened. Yeah, so that's like, uh, what, one, two, three, twelve, five. Well, but I'm thinking that's like five or six attractions in Fantasyland, um, Mark Twain and his Frontier, Jungle Cruise is... Uh, Adventure and Autotopia. I, that's its fantasy land, doesn't it? In Disneyland? Yeah, it's or, right there yeah. on the border, but I do believe it is fantasy land. But it would be distinctively fantasy land at that point because there's yes. no Tomorrowland to be there. So, yeah, but now what I also find interesting is that the ticket book thing was not the initial plan either because when it opened, so opening day 1955. There are no ticket books. There is no BCD attractions. There is go to each ride and pay for a ticket to go ride right. that ride. Right. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, here's a, you know, here's a nickel ride here. Here's a quarter ride here. You know, whatever that, whatever that breakdown was. And, you know, yeah, there is some, now there is some adjustment for inflation there. Um, but, you know, a dollar, 1955 dollar is $8.79 right now, says random site on the Internet where I look at inflation <laughs> values. Um, but, you know, that that sounds about right, I guess. Um, you know, $8.80 to get into Magic Kingdom now or to get into Disneyland now would be an awesome deal. Even, right. Even it's if not you didn't the, to ride the rides. It's not the $100 that it costs today. Right. So... What you're talking about, um, so let's see, if we did $2015, and what what is the going rate for a Disneyland ticket right now? I believe it's 100 and, 102 Yeah, so that's a 102 and then suddenly we turned all of that money into magical $1955. We would get $11.60. So, I mean, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people... Talk, and now here's the thing. Disney will not, if Disney was to ever go back to the ticket book thing, um, it would never be comparable to what it was. But no. $102 and $2015 is $11.60 and $1955. So essentially that's, you know, if every e-ticket attraction was a dollar attraction in 1955, that would get you on 10 e-tickets. I never get to ride 10 e-tickets in a single day. When That's I go true. to when I go to Disneyland or Magic, yeah. you know, any park, I've never gotten to ride ten e tickets. You know, I mean, yeah, on a real slow day, seven or eight maybe because you go ride multiple times or something. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's uh, that's that's really not a bad uh, price comparatively. So um, yeah, ticket ticket books are interesting, but yeah, I like how they they went from this. Okay, let's just we're going to sell you one of everything to. You know, then they did the individual. So then they started, you know, ABCD and they were doing individual tickets. So you mm -hmm. went and bought, I want, you know, 5D tickets, four C's, a, a B and, you know, a couple of A's or something. Um, you know, they did that for a while. And then, and of course, this is all happening within 1955 
Ticket books start October 11th, 1955. The park opens July 17th. Yeah. So uh, it took them no time at all to realize that that it was just better to sell somebody a, a ticket book. Right. But these ticket books are brilliant because I I will almost guarantee you what they found was, you know what? We're really not selling as many of, you know, and, and I don't know, maybe it wasn't A tickets. Maybe it was B's or C's or something. But there was some level that they were really under utilizing that area. Yeah. And, but if you sell somebody a ticket book and, you know, I, I assume the ticket books probably had some sort of savings. Um you know, compared sure. to compared to buying each one of those tickets individually. But it also you, made you buy, you know, four A tickets or whatever, you know? Right. And that's the thing. Once you once you have uh an A ticket in your hand, of course you're going to do an A ticket attraction because right. I'm not gonna waste, you know, I'm not gonna waste an A ticket. Um and that freed up, you know, th- a few more D ticket attractions, I would think. Even if you had the money to get into a D ticket, you know, multiple D tickets, you'd go do an A and spend some time doing an A. So mm-hmm. I think it probably evened out the flow of uh, of people. And I, you know, and again, tangently, I wonder if that's not what FastPass Plus is attempting to do as well. Right. I was yeah, because they they had basically solved the issue of having five attractions in the park that are way too popular. And then they, you know, when they moved to the, what they call it, the key to the world, uh, key to the world or pat, wasn't it passport at one point too? passport. Yeah. Um, magic passport. So once they moved to that, they kind of lost all the, all the good things they'd done, you know, to make sure that nothing got too crowded, but you're right. Cause fast pass plus is definitely a move to try to make that a bit better. Um, and especially, you know, how we talked about in uh, a while back about them doing Fast Pass Plus only stuff. If they moved to Fast Pass Plus only, they would basically be going back to the 1955 ticket book model. Well, especially where, where you know, things like Epcot, where you've got, uh, or yeah, it's Epcot, where you have to select one attraction from these attractions, and then you can select two, your other two from these other attractions. Wow. That is definitively yeah. the ticket book experience. I had not thought of that. But it is. Yeah, they're basically saying here are, it's just two. So here are some A tickets and here are some B tickets. Pick. Yeah, but now the problem is that people like me have grown used to, I can go ride all E tickets all day if I want to. And how dare you try to convince me to go, you know, ride the, uh, go ride the canoes, I guess, right. or something. Right. Um, but yeah, it it is a, it is interesting because... I think now when we look at Disneyland, we think of Disneyland as this huge area with all this stuff around. And to go back and recognize that, um, as you said, you know, starting with 12 things, that was it. That was all there was to do. And it was all inside the inside the railroad, inside the berm. And it was just I, I can't imagine today walking around Disney World or Disneyland, I mean, and having 12 things throughout the whole park. You know, how empty and and spacious and, you know, I almost think beautiful because they would have had more trees. There would have been more, you know, nature around the park that they just don't have room for now. Yeah, I I think that that's definitely um, a change because especially, you know, and I don't think that's as big of a issue at Walt Disney World because the land is there. No, they have unlimited on. space. Right. But but yes, definitely at Disneyland, you know, where we have to take out a parking 
you know, take out a parking area so we can build a second park and let's build, you know, you're, you're basically having to build things on top of each other, uh, just to, just to get everything in place. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's weird to, to think of, you know, but you know, there was a time when there was a picnic area that you could go and, you know, chill out at halfway through the day. And the idea that, you know, that you could have that amount of space available now is just inconceivable. Um, right. Because, uh, first of all, we could stick a restaurant there and we could make money off you eating. Uh, but, yeah, there it's just the space isn't there anymore. Um, so, yeah, it had to be a very different world to step into in 1955. I don't know. I don't know that in within the attraction area there was a lot more space because most of the attraction area, you know, has as attractions have gone out, new attractions have come into their place. More has been built up around them, I feel like. But, you know, in Fantasyland was as cramped as Fantasyland is, I think, with the exception of I don't think you had the number of people in Fantasyland because right. you didn't have the number of people in the parks uh, because, again, there weren't as many things to do. Right. Well, and one thing, when I saw online that it cost a dollar to get in and then extra money to ride attractions or, you know, experience attractions, whatever, um, I was like, why would you just want to go into the park? But the picnic thing, but also they used to have like dances. They'd have, you know, they do community events there. They'd have a dance and you'd just go and pay a dollar to get into the park and, you know, it, it. 8 p.m. or 7 p.m. or whatever, they'd have a dance and everybody would just go into, you know, wherever and and party in Disneyland. You know, they they just did a whole bunch of that stuff. And it's kind of cool that you could pay separately, you know, to get in if you were just going to go to a dance, you know, or or, or, or have a lunch. You know, if you could pay $2.50 for you, your wife, and your kid to get into Disneyland and just like plop down and people watch and, you know, like see Mickey mouse. And that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think to, to some extent we, you know, now we've got the, you know, like Epcot after four tickets or the, um, I think Disneyland has something similar where it's like an evening ticket. Um, but, but yeah, it's still not the same as, Hey, here's an entire thing. Uh, I guess maybe Mickey's not so scary Halloween party or very Merry Christmas would be the more direct comparison, I guess. Yeah, those are those are very similar. Uh, but but you're paying a lot more than for one sure. of those again than I mean that's than what you al- did for this. That's almost the cost of a of a day ticket. But but again, you could let people into the park. You know, let's do a dance. You get a ticket to the dance. Um, but it's still going to be a pretty cheap ticket because if you decide to go ride an attraction while you're here, we're still getting our money on the back end. Um, sure. now I feel like when you do, you know, not so scary Halloween party or anything, you're, you're, you know, if, even if you just run around and go grab, you know, candy, you're still paying for those attractions because those attractions are going to be running. Right. And we have to consider the fact that you're likely going to ride them because they're included in your ticket again. Right. Yeah. And they could guarantee that you would not be able to ride any attractions back in 55 yes but if you did then we again we're we're getting your our money from you so sure yeah, it's just it's a very different I, I don't you know again i feel like now the way that i've always experienced disney because um what ticket books went out 
Was it in the 90s? Were they still around? Uh, 80s or 90s? Late 80s, early 90s. Okay. So, yeah. You know, for me, I never experienced uh, ticket books. You know, so I've never I've never been in that world. And the, the thought that somebody would tell me, you know, you have to have a ticket to, to get on this and you're going to have to have another ticket to do this. I'm like, uh, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, because I'm, I'm used to, I want to write everything and I don't want to have to think about paying through, uh, each individual thing. But yeah, I mean, I guess if that was the way it always was, it wouldn't right. be that big of a deal. Well, and it's, we talked about one or two weeks ago, um, about how Disneyland was kind of the first theme park to take, take, you know, having attractions and experiences and stuff so seriously. I think if, you know, if it had been really expensive to get in, I don't know if Disneyland would have gotten the kind of traction that it did. You know, I think making it cheap to get in and then making it, you know, fairly cheap to ride things, you know, for the first while was actually a really good idea. Um, because it it would be really hard to convince someone in 1955 to pay, you know, $25 a person or whatever to get into the park and just like have free reign, you know, it, and, and they had 12 things. So maybe it would have been a little cheaper, but I feel like it was a lot easier to tell someone, bring a dollar, come and see this. Don't even ride anything. Just walk around and, and kind of enjoy yourself and especially when they did a thing where you could only buy you know one one ticket without having to buy a ticket book that was a really good way to get people to come in and for a relatively low risk see what this theme park was all about because there was nothing like it and now you know with the uh, with the uh popularity of six flags and bush gardens and universal and stuff everybody does just pay us a lot right now and you can do everything for free you know or free in in the world's largest air quotes but you can basically do everything for the price of admission and i think now the market can bear that um and i think in 1955 the market didn't and i think it's i mean to me it's as simple as that the market would not bear a a hugely expensive uh theme park visit the way it does now you know and especially when you get into like the packages and 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 what walt disney world does i mean when you get into that kind of stuff i it it definitely i don't think would you know whatever five thousand dollars is you know in 1955 dollars to tell someone to come to this theme park and stay with us and do all that that i don't think the market would have would have uh what's the past tense of bear born born that born that yeah well that's weird but we're also I think we're also talking about a difference in um, a difference in culture, a difference in priorities. Um, you know, we live in a culture where we don't where we have more disposable income available. True. Um, and I think that's a that's a huge part of it. Well, as well. Um, but I do like your point, though, that um, as we look at this and we go, well, you know, Disney's not going to sell a ticket for nine dollars now. Uh, you know, they're, they wouldn't let you into the park just to look at the park for $9 anymore. Um, but you, you have a valid point, though, that the reason is because now we know what Disney is. You know, Disney has something tied to their name, whereas 1955 Disney, it's like, uh, yeah, it's this guy who's been building this park. And it, and it sounds really interesting. And, yes, you know, I recognize Disney had animation and all of these things, but 
Disney as a theme park operator and as a, that as an attraction operator um, did not have that everything associated with them at that time. So yeah, they they did have to uh, to convince people. I would imagine to some extent that it was worth giving a shot to. Right, because what what on earth makes Walt Disney a guy who's made you know just a, a very few films? What on earth makes him the right person to run a theme park? You know, like thinking back then. I mean, it's like if whatever Martin Scorsese, you know, was like, "I'm going to open a theme park it's called Scorsese Land." Everyone would be like, <laughs> "Okay, that's going to be lame." Because you're crazy, Martin. Right, right. But you know, you had to have somebody like Walt Disney to go. No, I can make it happen. I'll make it work. It'll be really good. So. Yeah, I think, and it, it has proven to be, um, it has proven to be a good decision. Disneyland has never been popular, you know, and every day it's it's seems to be more popular than it was the day before. So he did something right. Yeah, yeah, clearly uh, that they there was a lot of wisdom there, and it has now paid off. And uh, Disneyland is is still around now for a. Uh, in case you've forgotten, Diamond Anniversary. So happy 60th anniversary, Disneyland. Uh, we love you, and I hope that you'll be around for my children to enjoy and my children's children, and uh, at least long enough for our podcast to continue for a while. That's that's what's really important to us. <laughs> let, the, let the podcast continue, Disney. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We are MTM Podcast. And you can like us on Facebook, We Are Missing the Mouse. And you can visit our website at www.missingthemouse.co. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And until then, have a magical day.